0: When there's no more room in hell, the dead will go to Vegas. Emergency bonus episode alert. Welcome to the blast zone. It's Ian and John. We're talking Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder, brand new movie. Ian, how you doing? I'm doing great. I am I'm jazzed up and I'm ready to fight the zombies. Let's fight the zombies. Let's get them out of Vegas so we can get back to drinking on the streets. And having a good time. What a mess they made. They ruined everything. We covered Justice League. We covered the Snyder Cut of Justice League. We've mentioned we're going to be covering Sucker Punch. We thought, you know what? Fuck it. We're in the Zack Snyder business. Let's throw a bonus episode out there talking about this new movie everyone's talking about.
1: Zack Snyder is our... That's our wheelhouse. We are Zack Snyderites. I was a full-on Zack Snyder convert due to our adventures in the Justice League. And I'm not sure where I am now after this. How did you feel about this movie?
0: This movie... Started off pretty good. I enjoyed the first like 45 minutes of this movie quite a bit. I am a sucker for a putting the team together montage. Okay, yes. Also a sucker for a heist movie. So when they're planning all that out, I was all the way in. I was ready to go. Had my attention. This movie kind of falls apart though at the end. It's got a ton of plot holes, some really silly action that doesn't make sense. And overall kind of soured me on the experience.
1: I'd give it like a a four and a half out of 10, I think. Okay, that's fair. I, I think I partially fell victim to the hype. Like I said, I was really hyped on Snyder. I was excited for this movie because I love Dave Bautista. I loved the idea that it was just going to be an over-the-top action thing because I certainly can use the escapism. And, and then I came in and then it, it starts out great as Snyder movies usually do. A lot of people say. Zack Snyder's opening credits are often the best part of his movies and he did not disappoint. Oh, yeah. great no, he, rocks.
0: Cred- he rocks an opening credit sequence with the Viva Las Vegas, he also loves a stunningly obvious needle drop. Just playing whatever <laughs> song's lyrics perfectly fit what's happening on screen. He is <laughs> He's absolutely, absolutely shameless. Fucking, and we pointed those
1: out in, in Justice League and here he is with some really on-the-nose shit. And it's, but you know what? Like that part of it, I'm not going to complain about that because that's corny, but it's like, It's playing into what the movie's trying to do is get you to focus on these things. And so like I can roll with that part of it. For me, the movie fell apart in the sort of motivation holes of the characters. And there was just a lot of scenes that just didn't work. I could see what they were trying to do, but it seemed like they didn't finish writing them.
0: Yeah, we're going heavy into spoilers here, guys, so if you haven't watched the movie yet and you want to hit the pause button and check it out, come back in seven hours or however long this movie is, and then we'll be here and you can listen to our takes, but we're not going to censor ourselves for uh, spoiler warnings. We're just going to go for it now.
1: Not going to pull any punches. We'll start right away with the biggest spoiler, the UFOs. Anyone see the UFOs? Did a lot of people miss that? I missed it on the first watch.
0: I saw something. I didn't know what it was, and then... Went to the internet when this was done and people were calling them UFOs. And I was like, that makes sense. So we already know Zach is setting up a prequel for this movie. He's setting up an animated or an anime series for this movie in this universe. I'd say maybe he'll do a sequel, but who the fuck is going to be in the sequel? Cause everyone's dead now. It's all start over with the casting. He went straight rogue one on us, just killed everybody. Yeah. <laughs> except the daughter. And I wasn't feeling too
1: great about her. But
0: I don't think she's going to she's going to be able to carry a future franchise for us. I don't think her character had that much interesting going on.
1: No knock on the actress, but they gave her this weird cut out of a part that had this really fierce drive, but like I couldn't see why it made sense. Like why was she acting that way? And it just made me mad at her.
0: Yeah, character motivations in this movie are a problem. But let's start at the beginning where the
1: movie does. The zombie apocalypse caused by Roadhead. Wow. That's Didn't see fun. that coming. Yeah. That's a fun start. Like that to me was like, okay, this is juicy classic horror movie stuff. Tons of horror movies. The subtext is that that lustfulness and uh, sin is repaid with horrible death and that certainly happens here.
0: Yeah, the horror genre, weirdly puritanical in its in its belief system, but yeah, this guy, these two newlyweds, she says I got you a present, starts sucking his dick oh. in the car. And apparently he is so enjoying himself. He's not quite looking at the road where a fucking military convoy is also not paying attention to the road. <laughs> yeah. Just,
1: Why are those guys not looking at the road? Like you can see the actor. This is just a technical note. They played the headlights in their eyes so strongly. You can see them effortfully not squinting at the light in their right. eyes because their character not supposed to have noticed it yet. But you can feel how hard it was for them to not squint when those headlights were in their eyes. Do you
0: drive Ian? I do. I do too. And I presume you've driven with somebody else in the car at some point in your life. Sure. Once or twice. And you talked to that person while you were driving.
1: Yeah, it happens. Did you feel the
0: need to turn and face them while talking, (laughs) while driving? Or were you like, no, that's not a thing humans do. I'm going to look at the road. (laughs) I'm driving a fucking several ton death mobile.
1: I have not ever led a high priority (laughs) military convoy. But if I did, I don't think my driving habits would be more relaxed than when I'm going to Starbucks.
0: Right. So- Big car accident. The military guys are carrying a payload, which is compromised in the crash. This is a nice tense scene when they're on the phone with dispatch and they find out that the payload's been compromised and she like her tone completely changes and just like get the fuck away from there now, like run away fast,
1: quick. Yeah. And why do nice they listen to her? Scene. That was great. They, like, You would love that when you have like a military person go from dead serious and in control to like, oh shit, get the fuck out of there. But I couldn't find the motivation for why these guys who were heading this con they knew they were in a high security like they knew they were carrying something really dangerous their whole conversation is about how nuts this thing must be that they're carrying and then it cracks open and they're like oh, she wants us to move i don't know what if she was geeked up about like he literally acts totally disinterested at that point
0: i know? don't think their vehicle was disabled either did they, they they start running through the desert instead of getting back in their humvee and driving away
1: that's true they kind of drove off into the bushes but like that's a, humvee. It's a fucking humvee <laughs> <to>
0: drive back <laughs> out of there what did they collide with like a, a Chrysler from the eighties? There's no reason that thing should be completely disabled. You should be able to drive it far enough to get away from this guy.
1: I had forgotten that Zack Snyder got his start as a horror movie director with his remake of Dawn of the dead, right? Still, Where- is,
0: still his highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes ever.
1: Yeah. So, but when you watch this and you think, oh, this is a first time horror guy because he doesn't get the genre. And like every horror movie has to make people do dumb things sometimes to put themselves in harm's way. And the whole trick of it is like, how clever can you be to make it seem not their fault and inevitable and scary? And then like in this first scene, he just sort of phones it in and makes them act dumb and bored in the middle of the thing where they should have been professional, at least professional.
0: So then this zombie who's not really a zombie, he's more like a, I don't know, he looks like a zombie, but he moves more like a werewolf or a vampire. He's fast, he's strong, he's vicious, he seems intelligent, he's not...
1: A shambler, as they would call him in this movie. Right. Totally buffed. He's dodging bullets. These soldiers are shooting their guns straight at him and he's jumping back and forth.
0: Where did he come from? Did something crash land and he's an alien? Was he infected by something that crash landed? Where did he come from? where did he go? Uh,
1: no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. But <laughs> yeah, um, I you, you st- notice that. Yeah, he has dog tags on. It looked like he I mean, first of all, you do notice his crew cut right away. So he looks kind of military. He's wearing maybe what are some BDU pants, but he's shirtless. And it seems to in one shot, he seems to be wearing dog tags. And he's got these electrodes from like a EKG down his chest. So it looks like a patient who was a soldier. So that's I mean, that fits with the theory. They're leaving Area 51. They have this thing we see these UFOs take off to sort of head in the same direction they're going. And it's a cool idea there's some alien thing is the source of the zombie infection
0: sure yeah that's kind of i think that's new territory i can't recall that being the case in any movie i've seen it's a nice twist on the genre and i like fast zombies the 28 days later 28 weeks later movies did them to great effect yeah for sure so i'm not opposed at all um just why would you try to keep this thing and or transport him once you realize what he is if you're that scared of him just kill them. I know.
1: And yeah. And it's sort of, it makes the whole plot feel like a hand wave when you don't give us some, because part of genre movies, zombie movies and sci-fi things is that we want some of those details. Like it doesn't have to be perfect, but we want to hear little snippets of like why they're doing what they're doing, what's behind this and just enough. Even if you want to keep it a mystery and mysterious, give us a little more so that we have something to chew on, which is part of the fun. And all we got was these UFOs that you can easily miss. I mean, maybe you wouldn't miss them on the big screen, but seeing how many people are seeing this at home, it's it's easy to miss them. And then you have the only other like deep theory stuff is in the middle of the movie when uh, Vandero unveils this totally wacky time loop theory that maybe the whole movie is just one iteration of a multiple universe time loop Palm Springs story.
0: Which is backed up by the fact that those corpses are all wearing something that identifies them as a current member of the team.
1: Yes. Uh, how weird was that? It wasn't just a wacky theory. He shows how, like, it's actually them.
0: But I wonder if that was Dieter's mind playing tricks on him. That's what he's seeing in the moment because of what O is saying. Either way, it's kind of half-baked. It's It has the bones of an interesting idea, but it doesn't follow through enough.
1: Yeah. It's tossed off in the middle of everything, and then it's not re- revisited.
0: Yeah. And so- this guy escapes, and then we just kind of see the fall of humanity. And Well, Vegas basically gets overrun. I guess that's the next big city from where they were when this happened. He finds his way there, takes over, but the military, it seems like it's able to lock down Vegas and contain infection and it's interesting this is another time where it's kind of a new take on a zombie movie where we've already kind of won yes you know we beat it we've been able to contain the infection we've got them in one spot that we're going to blow up in a couple days time so as long as nobody breaks in and does anything stupid we've eliminated the zombie <laughs> outbreak right? Like, that's a kind of a cool idea for a movie, though, after the zombie apocalypse has been thwarted.
1: It's a cool idea, and you feel great about it at the end of the opening credits, which shows you in this cool, compressed vignette, like, all the regular citizens who distinguish themselves during the tough part of the battle. It's all compressed, and it feels very powerful to see each of these people the ones who made it out, the ones who distinguish themselves. And then there's even one of them who you meet during the credit sequence and dies at the end of the credit sequence. And you feel bad because you feel like you've been through something with this woman and her daughter.
0: Yeah, that was a rough scene. And it was so a-
1: good and so powerful. And you're like, make the whole movie out of these credits and you would have an incredible movie.
0: Right. And maybe that's what the prequel is going to be during that initial outbreak. But yeah, yeah. start there. Well, whose joke was
1: that? Make the whole plan out of the black box. Right. I can't remember who said it. (laughs) That's like someone needs to tell Zack Snyder to make a whole movie out of his opening credits.
0: Yeah. Really cool scene and much brighter, more vibrant than we have been used to. Specifically after the Snyder cut, having such like a muted color palette, seeing Vegas and he's really shooting it without any kind of gray filter on, which is rare for him. And we get to see these bright, vibrant colors all the actions happening in the daytime more or less. Really cool. Can't say enough good stuff about this opening credit sequence.
1: He took some leaps. Like, like you're saying, visually and also thematically, right? There's more, I'm not going to say there's more humor. There's more tense at humor and a lighter tone in this than in most of Zack Snyder's work. Yeah. He nodded to the fact that the zombie genre is now 50% a comedy genre or at least a self-reflective, sometimes ironic genre. And there's some of that in here, but, it, but he's not that great at that stuff. So uh, that wasn't the best part of the movie. And some of it felt really shoehorned.
0: He wrote the script. I don't know how much of a comedy writer he is. I think he understands comic timing
1: enough to direct jokes somebody else wrote. Uh-huh. And maybe he should leave the script writing of the jokes to somebody else. To jump ahead to the moment where I really noticed that, Tanaka approaches Bautista and he pitches him on doing this job and he gets the crew together. And then there's the moment where the crew assembles in the hangar and Tanaka goes from being sort of serious, eccentric billionaire type to being a weird poetic fop. He's like, telling this story and he starts doing these flourishes about how Dieter's gonna crack the vault in some kind of operatic metaphor why is he talking like this he was never like this and then they do this lemon squeezy joke there's all this comedy stuff shoehorned in for the purpose of illustrating the second visual montage that snyder puts together that underscores that storytelling of how the heist is going to go down but it feels really weird there did any of that work for you no the hanger scene (laughs) with tanaka the easy peasy lemon
0: squeezy joke. That actually kind of landed for me. Mm-hmm. But the, I think the Dieter character works well as comedic relief and adds some levity to the surroundings. The weirdness was by having Tanaka play along with it and instead of reacting as if he were the straight man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you, you can have, yeah. You can have Dieter be
0: the weird guy, but then you need people to react to him as if he's the weird guy.
1: Yeah. Like why is Tanaka egging that guy on? It just got strange there.
0: So speaking of putting the team together, Tignataro is in this movie, but she didn't film this movie with everyone else. She was CGI'd in after the fact playing self-proclaimed helicopter guy, Marianne Peters. That's right. Did you find that noticeable? I think they did a pretty good job integrating her.
1: They did a good job. I did not know on the first watch of this that she was that late replacement. And so from the perspective of the look of it, I didn't notice it at all. I didn't see any CGI stuff. I did notice, and maybe this is the way the character was written before too, that her lines were really sort of stapled on in a lot of places in the movie. It feels like she's delivering answers to questions that no one asked yet. Like she just pops on screen and quips something and like, hey, nobody asked you. And it's like sort of over the top and wacky. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's exaggerated by this fact that she's a replacement.
0: The times when I noticed something was off was there's a few times where you could see, like say Batista's character, Scott, is talking about Marianne. But his lips say like, what's his deal? But his mm. mouth says like, what's her deal? And, okay. <laughs> and you're like, oh, like I could see like the seams are showing a little bit there. But overall, it's very hard technically to insert somebody, especially into daytime scenes, like outdoor daytime scenes and make the lighting look right. I read an interview with Zack Snyder talking about that, that that was the hardest part was yeah. you have to get the lighting conditions in a green screen studio exactly like they were when they filmed it outside. Yeah. And he filmed it with all natural light. He thought that would be his big like, oh, I'm going back to basics. I'm going to film this in natural light. But then that made it 10 times harder to recreate in a green screen studio. So he had just a real tough time with it. But I think it was the right call morally to get Chris Delia the fuck out of this movie because he seems like a real piece of shit Allegedly. and getting Tignataro in there who's great but yeah some of her lines did feel like that old Pat Oswald stand-up bit where like he's doing punch-up for animated movies and they just tell him like just write jokes the characters can say off screen and like, <laughs> those, yeah. those were the jokes they gave Tignataro.
1: that was her yeah she's all of a sudden shouting from the rooftop a joke into a scene that she's not in
0: I fell on my bottom into some butterscotch
1: um, the, uh... speaking of Snyder. As the cinematographer, right, he was his own DP on this movie. And the bright, sunny look of it was nice, was refreshing from him. I actually found the bokeh distracting. I don't know if you know that term from filmmaking or from photography. That's when there's a very shallow depth of field. And so only the one character's in focus in the background. Okay. Not only goes out of focus, but forms little swirly circles. You see it at night when there's sources of light. They turn into actual circles on the screen, little bubbles. But during the daytime, you can see it that just like things turn into these little loopy, round things and I just happened to run into a thing that said like he used this lens that he chose for this. Uh, yeah it was a very old lens right he was able to. With some super vintage lens and it's a lens with a super wide aperture which is how you get super shallow depth of field and big crazy bokeh but it's a thing where cinematography people geek out over it and I think he went too far like the focus was actually distracting on my screen like he does these rack focuses where it'll jump from the character in the foreground being in focus to the character in the background or a character will walk from out of focus into in focus And that happens in movies all the time, but it was so noticeable because the out-of-focus parts were so weird looking. They had that bubbly, weird look that like, I'm like, dude, you just, he went a little too far with it for me where it gave it this, I don't know. The movie was supposed to be sort of conventional, I thought, in its look, but it had this weird artistic twist to the visuals that I thought didn't really work for me.
0: Right. So much of the interviews he gave for this movie, were about like how he was getting back to basics and getting down and dirty and not doing all this stuff. But then he clearly made a choice with this bokeh, as you called it. So it's not like it was an unintended thing. He he wanted this to be how it looked. But I've seen more people say they found it distracting or off-putting than for, like this was great.
1: Yeah, he just like he laid it on too thick. He's maybe heavy-handed in a general sense, and this is one more way he got heavy. There's a few spots
0: where this movie felt like either something was cut or something was teased and never got a follow-through on, like the, the scene where they first walk into Vegas and you see all the dehydrated zombie bodies and the coyote, Lily says when it rains they all come back to life and right there i wrote down like foreshadowing like we're definitely going to see some kind of rainstorm like that would be a really cool moment right but then no it just nothing ever happens with it and that felt like cut for time maybe i don't know i'm not going to start hashtag and release the snyder cut but people have already taken up that mantle that no this movie would be 10 out of 10 if he was able to Like, he's releasing it on Netflix. No
1: one's going to tell him to cut stuff for time. No, I feel like we got to believe this is the real deal.
0: Yeah, but that felt like a missed opportunity. Did you note that line as well? It, It really seemed like they were setting up something.
1: It was a cool line. It was a cool part of the mythology of these creatures. And yeah, it didn't come back. That whole section felt like there was a lot more that they just didn't have time to get into the nature of that sort of final showdown that supposedly happened at that place where the army and the hordes had their big battle. But that to me was like, that's okay. That's kind of gives that sort of rich background that that the current story plays under. But uh, yeah, sure would have been fun to see a little sprinkle happen and see those things come to life.
0: So while we're talking about the front gate scene, this is probably one of my biggest quibbles with the movie. We find out later on through a quote unquote twist that Garrett Dillahunt's character who is Tanaka's chief of security, is really there to get the prize they're actually after, which is the head of an alpha. Tanaka does not care about the money at all. This is all a ruse to get the head of an alpha. They walk into Vegas, literally encounter two alphas immediately, and then they have to trade Theo Rossi for safe passage. Why don't, he has this rope thing that he uses to yeah. like hog tie the alpha. Bolo gun
1: thing. Get her head then and leave. Turn back around, right out the door. Everybody's happy. Well, I if guess you, the, <laughs> if this thing is as
0: valuable as they're they're claiming it is, 10 times worth what was in the vault, which was uh, $150 million or $200 million, whatever it was.
1: Was it only 50? Was it no, they were, their cut was 50. Their cut was 50, yeah, with the whole thing was 200 right right right
0: so offer however many people you need maybe you need lily batista one other person give them a million dollars each right yeah walk in get the head you walk out you don't need a helicopter you don't need to do this fake heist. What the fuck was the point of it all?
1: He maybe didn't know how easy it was. Like, only Lily knew the trick of sacrificing an evil camp guard. Like, he didn't probably know that was going to go down. But talk about not reading and reacting to the situation.
0: you like, yeah, hey, look, uh, we'll pay you guys 50 million still. But we can be done with this now.
1: Hey, guys, quick update. Change of plans. I got to snag this girl. I'm going to go out. Are you guys can still go get the money? I'm going to head back out with this head.
0: Right. There's no need to double cross them later on. You got your head. You can get out of here. Right. But I guess they would have been under much, much more attack if they took the head there and to try to go get the money from the vault. But that's why you tell them we'll pay you off. Oh,
1: yeah, but he wouldn't care. It didn't make sense to me. I mean, you found the real plot hole there.
0: Well, it's not the only one. Also, Batista is going to or I should, I should call him by his character's name. Scott is going to give his daughter, Kate, his entire $15 million share. And not that it's a plot hole or anything, but I found this line really funny, where he's like, with $15 million, you can help these people go back to school, do whatever you want. Like, I know college is expensive, (laughs) but with
1: $15 million, like, you can go back to school. You can go
0: back to school with like a hundred (laughs) grand. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Their whole relationship was weird and that didn't make it any better that he attempted that really weird, cheesy payoff that was supposed to be the way he would make amends. But then it turned out that the reason he needed to make amends was totally wrong because she was never mad at him for killing her mom. She understood Stabbing that her mom,
0: Stabbing her mom in the head. He had a gun in his hand. He's like, no, she deserves better. She deserves Put better. Put it down, he to strangle her, s- s- strangle her and stab her
1: in the brain. Like I gently, don't think- Do you notice he gently inserts the knife into her skull? Like you would think you'd have to kind of take a swing to pierce someone's skull with a knife.
0: Unless it's a very sharp knife.
1: But he just kind of <laughs> slides it in, in a very loving way. That read a little corny to me. It was funny anyway.
0: $15 yeah. million, dollars, you could do whatever you want. Like you could open up an Applebee's franchise. It's like, no, you don't need
1: $15 million for that. It's way more money than necessary. It was sort of a cheap attempt at giving him a, a noble justification for the money that wasn't just I need cash to get out of this burger flipping job right what do you think of the zombie tiger valentine I mean fun my little brain was milking it for all it's worth because I knew that like this is the fun stuff that the movie promised zombie tiger right look at it it's on screen right now soak it up you're getting it this is the stuff but like I don't know it was cool it looked cool did it do anything
0: for you it was a good idea I think after the zombie bear in annihilation like it's a high bar for zombie animals to freak me out That bear had made a weird noise too, right? That made it. It was like human, human crying. That was, Um, that that bear haunts me still. So
1: (laughs) that was awesome bear. it's hard to top the bear.
0: No, you can't top that bear. So also annihilation. Stay tuned. That's going to be a future episode. Oh, nice. movie. lost a ton of money. It's so good though. I thought one of the most realistic parts of the movie was that the president, seemingly Trump would move up the bombing just to piss off humanitarian groups. That ran Thanks. true.
1: <laughs> yeah, some of it rang true. The idea that he was going to do first do it as a celebration. And then it's just like, fuck it, we're doing it tomorrow. But there are some weird holes in that thing, too. Like a lot of the movie turns on Gita, right? Who was this woman with the kids that uh, Scott's daughter is very motivated to protect and to look out after. And she is so desperate to get out of the camp by Friday that she's willing to risk her life and going in and, and getting captured by zombies. And it makes you think in the first part of that film where they're talking about that, oh shit, they're going to drop a nuke on Las Vegas and they're leaving the refugees in place to just get totally annihilated. And that's why this woman is so desperate to get out by Friday that she's going to risk her life. But that's not what happens. Like, I think she wanted. out of there. I think anyway. she
0: needed money. She was going in there to find money because they needed money to help the kids after they got bust out. I think there was mm-hmm. a line about that.
1: I mean, that makes more sense, but I'm pretty sure she says I need five thousand dollars to get me out of here by Friday. Like she does this part about Friday. I'm like, what the hell? They're going to I mean, that would be a lot more motivation if they're going to actually like abandon these detainees in a camp and let them go up with the with the zombies. That would be like, holy shit. Now there's real stakes for everyone to fix things. But it wasn't quite that. It was just kind of a misleading or loosely written part that sort of left me confused.
0: Yeah, the Gita character arc was a swing and a miss, in my opinion. They did not. They didn't develop her enough in the early parts to make it work. They also didn't develop Kate enough, Scott's daughter. Like, you're not attached enough to her to root for her when she runs away from the group to go look for Gita. Because you're like... this fucking thing is going off in five minutes and she's, she sneaks off to go find her.
1: Yeah. And, and kind
0: like, of leads to everyone getting killed. Or at least Scott and Marianne die directly as a result of her
1: actions there. She complicates the whole thing and it, it's supposedly a noble cause of I need to get this mom back to their kids but she's lived through a zombie apocalypse. She is living in a time and place where she knows that life is cheap and that hard choices. She's seen a thousand other maid in front of her eyes and the idea that she's willing to threatens to suicide, basically, in front of her dad, or just go in hopelessly on her own and get killed by the zombies, rather than accept the fact that this woman made a really difficult choice and lost her life the way so many hundreds of thousands probably did, even people that she knew. So it's sort of way out of proportion the way she acts, and I just couldn't find it to be likable or sympathetic.
0: Yeah, she's like too angry at Scott and too devoted to Gita for... What we, from our perspective, it doesn't make narrative sense. Maybe in the internal logic of the movie, those relationships are valid, but it doesn't show us that. So we're left feeling like she kind of got everyone killed for what? So yeah, that that whole storyline did not work for me more things that didn't work for me. Would I like to see more physicality from Batista. He's a big, strong dude, but he spends most of this movie just shooting. The one time you see him really use his strength is when, like you said, he gently slides a knife into his <laughs> wife's brain, but I yeah, would have like to see him body slam some zombies.
1: That's true. There's I'm remembering one part, doesn't he flip a blackjack table into them? Yes, sort he does. Of he flips a 500 pound blackjack table.
0: Give me more Um, of that, though. You know, so much of this is him, like, the pistol looks puny in his hand, like, and he's like picking off zombies with a little pistol. I think it just undermines one of the things that makes him so compelling, which is that he can play this great sensitivity and vulnerability, but he's this mountain of a man who clearly possesses such physical strength. And I don't think they capitalized on that enough.
1: Yeah, maybe Snyder was playing into the into the Blade Runner thing of like big guy with little glasses he wanted to do, big guy with little gun, instead of like... <laughs> big guy with a little gun. <laughs> little, little Tommy Boy reference. What'd uh, you think about the heist part of the movie? Did that work for you? No. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, no, it didn't. I'm a heist fan. I love a good heist. There were a few things that I couldn't really uh, reconcile. Like, why would Tanaka need a safe cracker to open his own safe?
1: Good point. Oh, man. He owns you're, you're that bringing, safe. You're bringing too much logic
0: to this. You can argue that maybe he doesn't have the combination or whatever anymore. Maybe it was lost. But at the very least, warn them about the booby traps that you clearly had installed. Right. And you know?
1: In- Well... I guess he was actually trying to get them killed.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Now that we think of it, because he told them there were non-lethal traps and they were clearly not non-lethal traps Fair. in the hallway. So this is another question of like, what world is this we're in? It's like fairly realistic current day America, and a Las Vegas casino has an Indiana Jones hallway where their money is kept. Like, what is this world? What are the rules of this world? If it's, if it's a vault
0: in a casino, that means people are making multiple deliveries of money there every day. People thought Terry Benedict's security was too militarized in Ocean's Eleven, and now you got this guy with machine guns in his fucking vault. Blow darts, and then machine guns, and then the big smashy smashy. The big smashy smashy. This is a fucking... Is this also a spinoff of a Saw movie? Like Spiral that just came? out is Zack
1: Snyder entering that franchise (laughs) and then he makes it through all the crazy crude booby traps and he cracks the safe by just putting his ear against it and turning the knobs like he doesn't even pull out any gear he's the ultimate geek and then he's just like the old ways are best I guess is the point he's trying to make the whole thing was floppy so he
0: finally gets the safe open and then everything goes to hell and he ends up tossing Vandero inside there to hide out keep him safe because they became buddies over the course of the movie. I'd enjoyed their relationship.
1: That was kind of nice. That worked. I mean, they were both charming actors and they pulled that off. And actually that misdirect worked on me where I forgot that he had been, because I was focused on Dieter's death. I forgot that he saves his buddy and locks him away for a surprise ending.
0: Yeah. Omari well, Hardwick, very likable actor. He does good work in this, but if we want to talk about more things that bothered me, let's get sure. into Bandero and the ending of this movie. Yeah. So Scott, Batista character gets bit by Zeus, the alpha who yeah. had previously done hand-to-hand combat with Vandero. They had a big tussle. Scott turns into a zombie 15 minutes later. he's yeah, going not too long. Yeah. Full-blown zombie. And Kate has to put a bullet in his head to save the world. Meanwhile, Vandero's locked in this vault. Las Vegas gets nuked. He managed to pull himself out, walk out of Vegas, find a car, steal the car, drive to Utah. Right. Charter a private plane, get on the plane. He's flying to Mexico. They're in Mexico. They're starting their descent. And he starts feeling like maybe he's turning into a zombie. What the fuck kind of timelines are these?
1: This sounds like the kind of thing that you don't like about movies when they don't stick to their own rules.
0: Right. If you want to tell me that it takes that long for everyone to turn into a zombie, just make more time pass before Batista starts turning into a zombie and then problem solved. But you start breaking your own rules and betraying the internal logic you've set up in this movie. That's what takes me out of it. Obviously zombies, things like this. I'm not looking for realism. I'm just looking for consistency.
1: I mean, there's the suggestion that there's some people who do have a slow transformation because that's sort of the purpose of the detention camp is that, you know, we can't be sure. Could people turn at a later date and we keep checking their temperature and stuff. So it's not that he didn't set up that possibility, but it just to have such an important plot point though, hinge on such a minor
0: detail that was maybe brought up in the background earlier feels disingenuous and like the movie's kind of cheating.
1: Yeah. But is it even an important plot point? I mean, it is for the next movie, but it's after the story of this movie is over. It's just a sequel setup. Right. What happens in Mexico
0: and how far does it get?
1: Yeah. Which is fun. That's part of genre movies like this is setting you up with an oh shit moment that you want to come back for. But did you want to come back? Yeah, we just saw everybody die. They really milked it. Like the ending scenes with Scott and Kate and everyone dead in the chopper. They really milked the emotion there. And I just felt like... Zach, you didn't earn this stuff dragging it out so much.
0: That's a good point. It it did feel like the movie decided to take itself extremely seriously right at the end with no indication that's the route it was going beforehand. And it's draining and it's kind of a bummer. Like this movie was pitched as like fun time horror action, but then it, it turns into this family drama that has real stakes, at least as far as the movie's concerned. And then you kill everyone. And it ends up being just a real downer of a movie at that point.
1: Yeah, downer because the guy that you really liked dies. And then I was like, like you're saying, Kate is sort of responsible. I was just like, at the end, I was like, Kate, look at you crying Everyone you love is dead. Was it worth it? Are you proud of yourself now with this whole chain of shit that you set off? Gita
0: doesn't make it out. Yeah. So we all for naught. It's kind of a nihilistic view, which is Snyder's MO, particularly in his Dawn of the Dead. But this movie had a very different tone. And I think you can be a nihilist and that's fine. And that's a valid point of view to make a movie from. But this movie introduced that point of view at the end. <laughs> you know, it wasn't set up that way from the beginning.
1: I just think the whole thing was underwritten. It has this feeling like you come up With the premise, ah, cool premise, fun heist movie. You get a bunch of the pieces on the board and then you go, okay, Then we need a scene where the daughter gets very motivated to do this. Then we need a scene where this happens. And they blocked all those scenes in, but then they didn't do the hard work of like, does the concept really work? Do you really explain why this person does that thing? It seemed like they rushed from having an outline to shooting some cool scenes that Zack Snyder had in his mind's eye, but there was a big piece missing.
0: Right. I think you nailed it. Like we have an idea for these scenes, but then you don't do the heavy lifting to make those scenes matter and make them make sense.
1: I'm probably more than the average person want my movies to be really smart and to outsmart me and to give me cool explanations for sci-fi or horror stuff that really make me think and go, oh, that could have worked. Oh, I didn't see that coming. But shouldn't everyone deserve that from their movies and expect to be treated as deserving of smart things instead of just like, well, they're going to be fine with this. The guy's getting killed anyway, so just make it feel like he sort of deserved it or whatever it is. You kind of don't connect the dots and he just feels hollow. It made me think of the way you're saying
0: that they didn't really explain much. Like, you don't have to spell it out. You don't have to hit us over the head with it, but leave some breadcrumbs, some stuff there for us to piece together on our own. And I think back to how the mist kind of handled this similar-ish subject matter with these monsters that seemingly appear out of nowhere. But the whole movie has these allusions to like the military up at Camp Arrowhead is doing these experiments. And there's been reports of strange stuff going on up there and it doesn't spell it out for us, but it gives us enough information where if we wanted to look deeper at it, there's something there. Yeah, You can piece together a little bit of it. And it's not just a blue light in the background of a scene that might be a UFO or might be a camera lens trick. (laughs)
1: So Yeah. And you don't have to do a full World War Z where you spend the last third of the movie literally in the lab where the problem started and trying to undo it. But still that movie, even while it was unfolding, you felt like even though it was over the top, it felt grounded. It felt like, oh, the little things, the way decisions get made feel smart and feel real and that's just all it needs to do is give you some fresh interesting takes that feel real and this movie just didn't take you quite there
0: right and i know that they're planning the prequel and maybe they'll they'll expand on it in that but i'm just tired of movies relying on expanded universes to give us information that they could be giving us in the movie
1: itself yeah don't make me do fucking homework to figure out your movie Don't expect our trust and interest until you've earned it. you got to earn it in the first one.
0: That being said, this movie, critically, as far as Zack Snyder is concerned, I'd say is a success. It's his third highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Up until today, it was his second. It was at 72% for quite a while, which was one point higher than the Snyder Cut, which is at 71%. And Dawn of the Dead is at 74%. That's his highest rated movie ever. So critics are liking this more than a lot of other Zack Snyder movies. And... Frankly, so do I. I think it succeeds, like I said, in a lot of ways. I know we ragged on it. It's easier to point out what I didn't like about a movie than the zombie action was cool because it was a lot of times. And I told you, I like putting the gang together montage. I like Dave Bautista as an actor quite a bit. I liked a lot of the cast quite a bit. Omario Hardwick was great. But overall, movie didn't work for me.
1: Well, we shall file it away and await the next Snyder movie on this podcast. Yeah.
0: Like we said, this is a bonus episode, little bite-sized tidbit for you guys. We're going to be back with a regular episode on Wednesday, as per usual. So thanks for joining us to check this out. And we'll be dropping more bonus episodes as stuff that feels appropriate for it comes up. If you have any suggestions for a bonus episode, hit us up on Twitter. You can email us at blastzonepod at gmail.com. Please remember rate, review, subscribe to the
1: pod. Keep it on your feed. Keep us in your lives. We value you. We love you. Thank you for joining us and spending time with us in the Blast Zone. The Blast Zone. (laughs)